So uh, those of you that are sitting by yourself or not in a larger group, would you get up from where you're seated right now and please find about five to six people that you can form a prayer huddle with this morning. Five to six people that you can form a prayer huddle. All right, look around the room, identify your group. Uh, We're going to be with them this morning, so you go ahead and move. Find a place, find a place. But stay looking this way. Stay looking. We're not going to pray just yet, but I'm going to get you in your groups just now, all right? Find your group. Find your prayer warriors this morning. Take out your Bible and open with me to Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1. I want to make a statement, and I want you to think about the significance of what this means. I'm not the only one that has said this. In fact, I think many pastors... And evangelists and prophets in our day have, have, have made a statement similar to this. The greatest need in the church today is for true, spirit-filled revival. Do you believe that? Out of all the pressing needs that are in the church, and there's a lot, the greatest spirit-filled pressing need in the church today, the greatest need, is a spirit of revival, a spirit of reviving, not in our world, but in the church. The church is in need of reviving. Our world is in need of evangelism, and they're in need of the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ, but the church today is in desperate need of revival. Listen to what The book of Jude tells about the church of Jesus Christ in verse 17. Listen to what Jude writes to the church. He says, but you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. that They said to you, in the last time, there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the Spirit, but you. He's talking to the church. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. One of the greatest businesses of the church is, is our prayer life, is that the church might revive and be revived by the Spirit of God. And look, this is authentic Christianity. When you look at the New Testament and you look at the early church, the early church was marked by a number of things. They were marked by their passion and fervency in missions. They were marked in their devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ and faithfulness to Him. But they were marked especially by their prayer life. That, that, That the church was and is a group of people who pray and believe in the power of prayer. This is authentic Christianity. This is the church of Jesus Christ. And as a pastor, as I've thought about the last number of weeks, once again, the, 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 the things that God has called in me in my life in this season of time to steward as, as a pastor at this church, that, that just as much as I'm responsible to bring the word of God to us and, and to preach messages and, 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 and to direct our focus to God's word and his truth, um, very much you think about the ministry of the prophet in the Old Testament and as a prophet would faithfully declare the word of God. Uh, as a pastor, there's a, there's a similar role in that of a, of a prophet in declaring God's word, uh, the, the word that he has revealed to us and declaring that to the people. 
But there's also a real sense in which a pastor's greatest ministry is a ministry of a priest in that people do not go through a pastor. We don't believe that. Uh, The Bible clearly teaches that a child of God has direct access to the Lord, all right? But you don't go through a pastor or a pope or a mediator or, or someone else to meet with God. But part of the responsibility of a pastor is to bring the people before God and to bring the people in prayer before the Lord. And so as we are praying, someone has put it this way, preaching, we stand before men on behalf of God. And in praying, we stand before God on behalf of men. When the disciples looked at the Lord Jesus Christ and saw his ministry, they did not ask him, Lord, teach us how to preach. I would have loved to have learned how to be a preacher from the Lord Jesus Christ. I think about him preaching on the multitudes and with simplicity as people hear his message. But the disciples wanted something far more than that. They said, Lord, teach us how to what? Teach us how to pray. Leonard Ravenhill put it this way, revival is the work of the Spirit of God within the church and evangelism is the work of the church in the world. I wonder, do you pray or do you just say prayers? Does God hear us and is our heart in tune with the Lord? Robert Murray McShane was a tremendous pastor, such an influential pastor. He passed away before his 30th birthday and this is what he said about prayer. He says, what a man is on his knees before God, that he is and nothing more. Because there's no fooling God. The authentic life that you live is first lived on your knees before God. Robert Murray McShane says, what a man is on his knees before God, that he is and nothing more. A church is no greater than their prayer life because collectively we are the grouping of individuals. And so my question to you this morning is, what is your prayer life? And how are you uh, abiding in the Lord Jesus Christ? And so often we, we seek God because we seek his hand. We seek what God would give. I think about what Daniel Henderson, one great pastor and author, puts it this way. As he talks about transforming prayer, he says, Prayer begins by seeking God's face before we seek his hand. And much of our Christianity today is filled with prayers that are laundry list of need and, and laundry list of, of physical need and, 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 and not just physical but materialistic things. But Jesus taught his disciples what it looks like to, to experience a deep abiding Presence in the, in the Lord Jesus Christ, it's, it, he talked to his disciples about it in John 15. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Jesus said, by this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So whatever you ask, the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Do you see the the relationship that Jesus is describing for us as God's children? That is the Father. He invites us. He invites us to come. He, He invites us to abide in His presence. And when we abide in His love and His word abides in us, our hearts are more and more molded and shaped to to reflect the image of Jesus Christ. 
when his word is, is, is abiding in us and his love is abiding in us, we realize that there's many, many things in life that, that we often pursue or we drive after or we go in and, and, and we miss out on some of the deepest, meaningful experiences that God would have for us because of our own stubbornness. To, to, to just simply relinquish our own desires and to want his kingdom more. To want his person in our life and to experience God in such a real and deep way. This morning we're going to begin our time of prayer by seeking the Lord. And I invite you just to right there in your group to, to quiet your own heart before God. To bow your head and to bow your heart. To seek him. And in a quiet moment to to ask a question of yourself, not of your group, but to ask a question of you. I wonder, has your soul been noisy of late? Is your soul unquiet? So would you do that with me? Would you bow your head, bow your heart before the Lord, and just in a time of private examination, would you ask yourself that question? The Bible says to be still and know that I am God. Psalm 62 says, for God alone, my soul waits in silence. My hope is from him. In another place in Psalm 131, the psalmist says, but I have calmed and quieted my soul. O Israel, hope in the Lord for this time forth and forevermore. And as you quiet your heart before God this morning, would you ask that question has my soul been noisy of late? What are the anxieties and the cares and the things that you've been spun up about this week? Quiet yourself before a holy, infinite, almighty God. And as you do so, listen to these words from the book of Isaiah. For thus saith the Holy One who is high and lifted up who inhabits eternity and whose name is holy, I dwell, God says, in a high and holy place and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. So we're just gonna have some moments of silence and just here as you humble yourselves before a holy God, confess your sin. Captivate your heart and your thoughts on the Lord Jesus Christ. Invite the Spirit of God to renew your mind by His truth this morning. And together as God's people, let us draw near to the Lord this morning in this time of quiet prayer. When we draw near to God, he draw near, draws near to us. With your head continued bowed this morning as we continue the season of prayer, I'm going to read a penetrating 
prayer that is taken from an old Puritan prayer book. It's called the Valley of Vision. And I'm going to pray this. And as I pray, I want you to internalize these words in your own heart. May, as I pray this, may this be a prayer for you today. Lord, high and holy, meek and lowly, thou hast brought me to the valley of vision where I live in the depths, but I see thee in the heights. Hemmed in by mountains of sin, I behold thy glory. Let me learn by paradox that the way down is the way up, that to be low is to be high. That the broken heart is the healed heart. That the contrite spirit is the rejoicing spirit. That the repenting soul is the victorious soul. That to have nothing is to possess all. And that to bear the cross is to wear the crown. That to give is to receive. And that the valley is the place of vision. Lord, in the daytime, stars can be seen from deepest wells. Deepest wells. And the deeper the wells, the brighter thy stars shine. Let me find thy light in my darkness, thy life in my death, thy joy in my sorrow, thy grace in my sin, and thy riches in my poverty, and thy glory in my valley. Lord, with a humble heart this morning, we confess as your people that we often go astray. Lord, our our, our hearts are often so prone to wander, and we feel it, and we see it. And Lord, today we repent of it, and we turn, Lord, our hearts back to you, the one who we so desperately need. Lord, in all these things that have been prayed this morning, may we find you and understand that, Lord, you are our delight. You are our delight and our joy. And we are so grateful for your love, for your redemption, for for your salvation, for your hope. Lord, revive our hearts in the good news today. We ask it in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Take out your Bible this morning as we continue in our seasons of prayer. We're in Psalm chapter one. I'm gonna invite you to follow along as I read these six verses. Psalms one is a gateway into the, stay with your groups, stay with your groups, stay with your groups. Don't move. We're going to be praying this morning. We're just taking a little breather, all right? We're going to look at God's word, and now we're going to pray scripture, all right? Stay in your group. Psalm 1. Psalm 1 is a gateway to the whole psalm book. It's, the whole psalm book is a book about um, the righteous and the wicked, and it's really comparing two uh, paths in life that each of us are on one of those two paths today. Regardless of where you find yourself and where you've been this week and the pressures or the joys of the week, your life today is really represented by one of these two paths. The Bible would say there's really only two ways of living. The one is defined as the righteous, somebody who experiences a deep, meaningful relationship with God. It's signified by a life that honors God's word. And and in that is a life that leads to a life of blessing. And the Bible also describes in the psalm, another way of living, and that is the wicked. The wicked is the person who, who relies on themselves, who puts their faith and trust in themselves. It's the person that does not want God's way, does not rejoice in God's truth. 
And you know, when we read these Psalms and we read about the wicked, we, we I don't know, that word just sounds so bad, doesn't it? I mean, isn't it, it's what it's meant to say, but, you know, but the way of the wicked. And none of us like to think of ourselves as wicked, you know? When was the last time you thought of yourself as wretched, wretched and wicked, you know? Most of us don't. Most of us, most of us, when we read the Psalms, we instantly want to put ourselves in the righteous. Um, but the Psalms are, you know, for the child of God, we are righteous. But the psalmist is not necessarily talking about salvation as much as he's talking about your life and the way that you live. And, and if there is a true internal righteousness that has come through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, it will be represented by a life that looks righteous in the way that we live, in the things that we do. Um, so when we read this, uh, you are in one of these two descriptions. And, and each of us from time to time can find ourselves on a, a living a different way because there's two ways of living in this life. Psalm 1, verse one. Stand with me as we read this morning these six verses. The Bible describes it this way. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. May the Lord add his blessings to his word. You may be seated. Notice this morning, the psalmist is describing for us a number of things. It's talking about a life of blessing. There's the life of blessing that leads to God's abundant blessing. And then there's the life of the wicked. And, and notice, God knows your path, and he knows where you're at this morning. And so once again, as we think about Robert Murray McShane saying, what a man is on his knees before God, that he is and nothing more. God knows your life this morning. He knows it more deeply and intricately than you do. And God knows today which path you're on. He knows if you're headed toward a life and a direction and you're centering your life on this life that leads to blessing or are you rather being so confronted and influenced by the voices around us that you begin to discredit the goodness of God. You begin to doubt his plan and his purpose for your life and you find yourself doing the things that the psalmist said the wicked do. But God this morning wants us to, he invites us to look at this psalm and to consider our own life. I don't know about you, but as I've read through this over the last number of weeks, I think about what it is saying, and it's, I don't know about you, but do you long for a life of impact and fruitfulness? Do you long to, to know that what you put your hand to will succeed? Do you, do you, do you, want, your, do you want to succeed in life? Do you want a life of maximum impact? Well, the psalmist is saying you can have it. You can have that in your life. But it's all about how you as a follower will orient your life. Who will you follow? Are you following the truth that is revealed to us in the word of God? The psalmist says, notice, blessed is the man who delights in the law of the Lord. Who delights in God's truth. He is like, notice, and he describes 
this, this person that is impactful and succeeding in life. But notice the wicked are not so, but are like chaff. Some of us in our world, we don't, we fail to, 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 to do the things that God wants us to do and fail to delight in who he is. And in that, our life is, is represented by this piece of chaff. It's just blown and it's driven away and, and there's no, there's, there's, there's just nothing that comes from it. And I don't know about you, but man, I, I, I find myself thinking about, you know, my age and what's ahead of me and what's behind me. And my mom sent me a picture the other day of my granddad and it was a picture of my granddad reading his Bible and, and me in a diaper sitting there reading my Bible. And my granddad had put the note on it. He says, one day, you're going to be preaching and I'll be in the diaper. You know, he's like, you know, it's one day. The whole thing's turning, you know, because, because aren't we all, um, how, how much time do we have? And what is this life going to amount to? And, and what are we investing in? There's a, there's a very futile life that is lived apart from God. Some of you could attest to that this morning. We could go around and you could give a testimony of a season in your life where you were walking contrary to what God would want for your life and you knew just how hard that was. How challenging and how difficult and, and how, how, how much you felt like you were just missing something deep in this world. And you know why you feel that? It is because you are in fact missing something. There is something much more deep that the psalmist wants us to understand, and that is this whole understanding of delighting in God. So when we hear God's truth, God's truth requires a response in our life. And so much of our praying is this laundry list of requests that we want God to answer. But before we make requests this morning to the Lord, why don't we just delight in Him? So I want you to huddle up with those in your prayer group this morning. And the focus of our time this morning is praying, not talking. And so let me just invite you for your group to pray through these seasons. Pray through the entire prayer session. And, and, and if you have nothing more to say, then just simply sit there quietly in private prayer before the Lord as others continue in prayer. Go ahead and bow your head with those in your group. I'm going to do something a little different than we've done in the past. I'm going to throw out a prayer prompting. It'll be just a simple phrase. Someone in your group, start, take the lead, and begin to go to the Lord in prayer. And pray through this prompting. And then I'll give you a few moments of praying through that. And then I'll give you another one. And then work through that prompting as we go through this process. The Psalm chapter 1 tells us that the Lord is our delight. He is our truth. He is our sustainer. He is the righteous judge. As you begin your time of prayer as a group, start with this prompt. Thank you, Lord, that you have been the source of blessing in life for this. Thank you that you have been my source of blessing in. And just describe where has God blessed you? How has he shown his kindness and favor to you? Go, start praying. Let's go to the Lord.
Let's continue in another season of prayer and another prompt. Lord, I love you because. Just adore the Lord this morning. Lord, I love you because. Just as much as there is a kind of person that God wants us to be, there is a kind of person that God does not want us to be. And, and maybe you found yourself walking or sitting or, or standing in the path of the wicked and, 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 and in the ungodly. And so maybe a time of confession, Lord, I confess that I have walked or stood or sat with the ungodly when. Describe, confess something to the Lord this morning. Let's sing, pray, and seek God. When the cares of our heart are many and our soul is anxious, God is to be our delight. So maybe a prayer prompting would be this, Lord, help me delight in your word when I'm tempted to fill in the blank. Lord, help me delight in your word when I'm tempted
Where in your life do you need an awareness of the presence of God that when you're tempted to doubt, when you're tempted to doubt, you will choose to trust the Lord knows. You'll trust that the Lord knows that He's acquainted with all your ways. And so this morning, why don't we just prepare ourselves with this awareness that God is in our life and that when we're tempted to doubt something, confess that, and then, Lord, help as we pray through this, what, Lord, is the thing that I need to be reminded of, the truth uh, about you in that moment? Let's, let's pray that way this morning. Father, when we're tempted to doubt that you are not who you really are, Lord, cause our hearts to be reminded of so many deep truths and verses about your, your, your goodness and faithfulness and justice. Lord, there's many things today that, that we feel inadequate in, and rightly so. But we know that, Lord, your strength and power is never limited. And so today, Lord, with a heart of humility, we're asking that... Lord, you would help and strengthen. And Lord, for some this morning that feel so overwhelmed by some things in life, may, may the reminder that, Lord, you're a God who is near. And you're a God who hears and you care. Lord, may we rest in the hope that you will answer. May we rest in the hope that you are all that we need. And we confess these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Stay there right in your group. 1 John chapter 5 invites us to pray in this way. John tells the church, he says, This is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Amen? Amen. Amen. And if we know that he hears us, John says... And whatever we ask, we know that we have the request we have asked of him. Leonard Ravenhill once put it this way, I believe the place of prayer is not only a place where I lose my burdens, but is also a place where I get my burdens. I've been reading a book by Leonard Ravenhill, When Sodom Has No Bible. And the whole point of the book is a challenge for the church to to be the salt and light that Christ has called us to be. And oftentimes when we think about prayer, we think about prayer as a place where we go to release our burdens. The Bible does tell us that, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for, for you. But prayer is also a place where I get my burdens. 
Are you burdened for things in the life of our church? In your family? What about for our city? True, deep, spiritual burdens. Where do we find those things? Where do we get that? Where where is that passion uh, to, to want what God wants? Where is that found? It's found in prayer. And when we pray with this an awareness that, Lord, we want, I want my heart to, to be your heart. And I want, Lord, what's on your heart and what you're concerned with to become my concern and to become my burden. There's some things now we're going to pray and we're going to ask God for. And I want us to just work in these concentric circles in our own life and then into our family and then into our church and then into our city. And so I'm going to lead us in a few promptings as we kind of pray through that, some things that may not be on your mind, but I'll bring to mind for us to pray through. But to begin with, let's just huddle up with our group and, and, and let's go to the Lord and get his burden for our life. And so would you pray personally? And, and, and this request now, as you're asking, um, asking the Lord to give you his burden uh, for, for, your, for your ministry, for your place, for your family, um, as, 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 you go to this, as you go to pray with other people right now, what, what is the thing that God's burdening your heart with? And, and you would just share that uh, with others in a season of prayer and, and that we as a church would get more of God's burden of what he wants to do in our life right now. Would you pray? Let's go. Find a huddle group and uh, let's call out to the Lord. Someone take the lead. Begin personally. Personally. What's the burden that the Lord has on your life right now? And you'll pray about it this morning. Let's pray. Let's call out together, what are the burdens in your family, for your spouse, for your children, for a prodigal son or daughter, for someone who's sick to be healed? 
What's your burden for your family? Let's call out to the Lord and believe him together. What are you burdened for in our church? Praying for our associate pastor search committee as we're seeking the Lord's guidance and direction for the next pastor you would have in our church. We're praying about the development of our church in our valley and, and up at the property. We're praying for ministry opportunities that God is bringing across our path. We're, we're, we're praying for the outreach of, of, of in, in, in ministry and evangelism. We're praying for young people that were here last night or on Wednesday night and, and Lord, unchurched. And so, so what is the burden that God's given you right now in this season for our church? Let's seek the Lord in it.
Jesus said that the harvest is plentiful and the labors are few. Now we pray for, for, for the burden that God's given you for this city, for this world, to know the hope of the gospel. Let's believe God for an awakening, a spirit of awakening in churches in our valley in across, that would spread across this city. We pray for our, our mission staff today that are serving in many different locations and different contexts. And, and let's go to, before the Lord on behalf of them. And let's just seek God for the burden that he has for this world and, 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 and the burden that God's placed on your heart to see people come to know him. Let's pray. Father, may you forgive us for the ways that we have our eyes on ourselves, for the ways that we constantly come to prayer looking for what you would do in our life. And Lord, you want us to lift up our eyes and look across this world and see what you're wanting to do in the, the lives of others. We pray that, God, you'd give us your burden as a church, that, that Lord, we would want what you want in these days, that our hearts would be uh, just interwoven, Lord, by your spirit, that you would revive and restore us. We pray that you would give us clear vision and passion for, for what you're calling us to do personally and corporately. And, and, and Father, we're, we're so grateful that you've promised to go with us even until the end of the age. And so, Lord, as, as Morgan is out in San Diego this, this morning for her first Sunday there, as we think about our mission staff, God, that are around the world, and many that will be with us on our conference in a couple of weeks, Lord, we're asking that you would stir us uh, for your gospel. And, and, Lord, stir up our hearts that we, um, Lord, see life beyond us and and see, Lord, all that you want to do in our life. And so we pray that we would have a hunger, um, Lord, that your spirit would quicken us, that would, would cause us to be alive, uh, Lord, in maybe places where we feel dead. And so we're just trusting this morning that you are the God that knows, 
that sees and hears. And Father, by faith, this morning we're looking for your answer. And Lord, we're looking for your intervention. And Lord, we're, we're, we're trusting uh, that you are our answer this morning. And so we ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. Romans chapter 15 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that the, by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Would you stand with me this morning and um, span the aisle? We're going to reach out and hold hands with those around us this morning. Find somebody next to you. Link arms here in our family. How many of you know that old hymn, I Love You, Lord? Would you, would you sing it with me this morning? Here we go. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you. My soul rejoice, take joy, my King, in what you hear. May it be a sweet, sweet sound in your Amen. Amen. Stay standing. We'll send you on your way here in just a moment. As you leave, there's some things for us to be this week as we head out of this place and to be the body of Christ um, and to faithfully love one another. Three things I want you to be aware of and then you'll be dismissed. One is life groups are in full swing. If you are not yet in a life group, make sure you grab one of those sheets as you leave this morning. We are in the month of missions conference. That is, will be happening here in about a week and a half. Got a lot of exciting things planned for that. You'll see those things in your bulletin. One I want to direct you to is this great commission card. If you have not yet filled out a new one for the year, you need to fill one of these out, all right? And this is uh, so how our missions committee can plan towards and prayerfully look towards our missions involvement this coming year. And the very last thing this morning is this that as you leave, you'll just stop by the welcome table and take a look. There's a number of cards and uh, flyers of things for different things. And Eric wanted me to remind you there's a guy's fishing trip planned on September 17th. Um, that's coming up here in the next week. So see Eric if you want to be a part of that. But this morning, we're going to be dismissed from here. And as we go, we go with the reminder that the Lord Jesus Christ is with us that he's called us to make disciples and to go into all the world. And so much of our faithfulness in being a follower of Christ is what happens when we leave from this place. And we go with the promise that the Lord is with us always, even until the end of the age.